coffee and cigarettes on the evening of our first meeting. He had come to France, he said, with the intention of joining the Légion étrangère as an infantryman, but he changed his mind a few days after his arrival in Paris upon meeting Jackson of the American Aviation Squadron, who was on leave after a service of six months at the front. It was all because of the manner in which Jackson looked at a Turkish rug. He told him of his adventures in the most matter-of-fact way. No heroics, nothing of that sort. He had not a glimmer of imagination, he said, but he had a way of looking at the floor which was irresistible, which fascinated him with the sense of height. He saw towns, villages, networks of trenches, columns of toy troops moving up ribbons of road, all in the patterns of a Turkish rug. And the next day he was at the headquarters of the Franco-American Corps, Champs Elysees, making application for membership. It is strange that we should both have come to France with so little of accurate knowledge of the Corps, of the possibilities for enlistment, and of the nature of the requirements for the service. Our knowledge of it, up to the time of sailing, had been confined to a few brief references in the press. It was perhaps necessary that its existence should not be officially recognized in America, or its furtherance encouraged. But it seemed to us at the time that there must have been actual discouragement on the part of the government at Washington. However that may be, we wondered if others had followed clues so vague or a call so dimly heard. This led to a discussion of our individual aptitudes for the service, and we made many comforting discoveries about each other. It is permissible to reveal them now, for the particular encouragement of others who, like ourselves, at that time may be conscious of deficiencies, and who may think they have none of the qualities essential to the successful aviator. Drew had never been further from the ground than the top of the Woolworth building. I had once taken a trip in a captive balloon. Drew knew nothing of motors, and had no more knowledge of mechanics than would enable him to wind a watch without breaking the mainspring. My ignorance in this respect was a fair match for his. We were further handicapped for the French service by our lack of the language. Indeed, this seemed to be the most serious obstacle in the way to success. With a good general knowledge of the language, it seemed probable that we might be able to overcome our other deficiencies. Without it, we could see no way to mastering the mechanical knowledge which we supposed must be required as a foundation for the training of a military pilot. In this connection, it may be well to say that we have both been handicapped from the beginning. We have had to learn from actual experience in the air, and at the risk to life and limb, what many of our comrades, both French and American, knew before they had ever climbed into an aeroplane. But it is equally true that scores of men became very excellent pilots, with little or no knowledge of the mechanics of the business. So far as Drew and I were concerned, these were matters for the future. It was enough for us at the moment that our applications had been approved, our papers signed, and tomorrow we were leaving for École d'Aviation militaire, to begin our training. And so, after a long evening of pleasant talk and pleasanter anticipation of coming events, we left our restaurant and walked together through the silent streets to the Palace de la Concorde, the great 
Windy Square was almost deserted. The monuments to the lost provinces bulked large in the dim twilight. Two disabled soldiers hobbled across the bridge and disappeared in the deep shade of the avenue. Their service had been rendered, their sacrifices made months ago. They could look about them now with a peculiar sense of isolation, and with, perhaps, a feeling of the futility of the effort they had made. Our adventures were all before us. Our hearts were light and our hopes high. As we stood by the obelisk, talking over plans for the morrow, we heard high overhead the faint hum of motors and saw two lights, one green and one red, moving rapidly across the sky. A moment later the long, slender finger of a searchlight probed among little heaps of cloud, then, sweeping in a wide arc, revealed the striking outline, the shape of a huge biplane circling over the sleeping